Max, I need you, bud. Can you come up here for me? Right under there, right under here, I want you to crawl under there, and I want you to find something that is going to be our artifact for today. You already see it? Okay, excellent. Ooh, it's not small. It's as big as you. Okay, you can climb out with that. What is that? What would you say that is? It's not a snail. What is it? It's on the it's up there on the screen, isn't it? Yeah, we've seen that on the screen. Where do you think it comes from? Any idea? What if I did this? What if I went? It doesn't come from me, does it? No, but what do you think it comes from? Yeah, it could be like a goat. Okay? Some kind of animal has this on its head. Yeah, this is this is like a horn. And I don't think I can blow it. I'm sure I can't. I don't think I can. <laughs> but this is a shofar. And in Israel, in ancient days, when they instituted a thing called the Jubilee, they would blow through a horn like this and make a noise. And we're going to read about that in just a moment in our Bibles. So I want everybody, if they would, to turn to Leviticus chapter 25. Thank you very much for finding our shofar for us. Leviticus chapter 25 and I think that's on about page 89, if you're looking at the Bibles underneath the seats. And as we get into Leviticus 25, let me ask you, what is it that brings you excitement? Like, if you get excited about something, what do you excited, get excited about? Like, for example, if you're a sports fan, I always find this interesting. Like, I'm a sports fan. Okay, I, I love watching the Flames, I like watching football, I like watching baseball, and it's amazing to me how such a small object, like a puck, or a baseball, or a football, which was in the big stream of things isn't all that big, how much excitement one can have with one of those. Like you take a puck, and you slide it along the ice, and under certain conditions, it goes into a net that's, how wide is a net, James? Six feet? Thank you. Six feet wide, four feet high. The puck slides across the line. And when the, slide, the puck slides across the line, 25,000 people will jump out of their seats and scream at this puck that goes across the line. Now, there has to be certain conditions, but that's when they start screaming. Or you could have, like, have 35,000 people sitting in the stands outdoors. It's a beautiful sunny day. And someone takes a piece of wood... And under certain conditions, they hit this little round ball, and they hit it hard enough so that it flies across the field and out over the fence into the stands. And all of a sudden, 35,000 people or 40,000 people erupt. They come out of their seats screaming because this ball has flown over the fence. And elsewhere, because it's on television, there are millions of people getting out of their seats and screaming about the same thing. A football goes through two uprights like this, or maybe it doesn't, and whether it goes through or doesn't determines the joy of people. Now just think about that. Whether or not a leather pigskin ball goes through some uprights determines whether or not people are happy. And in fact, in some cases, it's financial fortune because people bet on these things. 
And people get incredibly excited about these kinds of events to the point where you can, walk, you can drive down the street and you'll look and there'll be somebody who's got flags sticking out of their car demonstrating how joyous they are about that pigskin going through the uprights or the puck crossing the goal line. These things bring us amazing amounts of joy. Today, we're talking about something I think that should bring us even more joy. We're going to talk about what it is that God has done for humankind. We're going to talk today about what God has done for humankind. Yeah, huh? Are you going to get out of your seats? Are you going to roar? Are you going to scream for this? Probably not. But, but, but tonight... Or this afternoon, like Dustin will go home. He'll probably, I, the Seahawks, I don't know if they're playing this afternoon. Maybe they're playing tomorrow night. Maybe they're not playing this weekend. Maybe it's a bye. But if the pig scene goes through the uprights at exactly the right time, Dustin will be happy today, okay? But I can't, but I can't get him right now to jump out of his seat and scream, okay? So it, it's just interesting how we, we've, there are some things which clearly are intended to bring humankind great joy. But, oh, it's so interesting what it is that's going to bring humankind great joy today. Leviticus chapter 25, I want you to read with me here, beginning with verse uh, 8. I'm going to read down through verse 24. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet, the shofar, Sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when this liberty is proclaimed. Each of you is to return to your own family property and to your own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it's a jubilee and it's to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. Now, the writer thought this was going to bring great joy. And indeed it should. In this year of Jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. And that in itself was to bring the people great joy. If you sell land to any of your own people or buy land from them, do not take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your own people on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee. And they are to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you are to increase the price. And when the years are few, you are to decrease the price. Because what is really being sold to you is the number of crops. Don't take advantage of each other, but fear your God. I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? Now, just think about this. These people don't have to work for a year. They don't have to work for a year. And not only do they not have to work for a year, but someone, God, has established it so that they're going to have enough to eat for a year without work. They're going to have a year-long party and they don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to have enough food to eat. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. 
While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. Throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. This is incredible. Worthy of getting excited about. Here are some things that I think are true about the Jubilee. First, you can't separate spiritual and physical blessings. That's very clear here. This blessing of crops that yield more than they normally do so that the people don't have to work for a whole year, that's directly associated with their connection to God. God wants them to do this. He commands them to do this. Uh, Clearly, the spiritual and physical blessings come together here. Secondly, you can't talk about forgiveness of sins and not care about the material welfare of others. What day is the shofar blown on. Do you remember? It says this right in the few, first few verses that I read. Okay, that's true, but there's something significant about that. What does it say? What special festival or day in Israel's year is the day on which the Jubilee starts to happen? The Day of Atonement! Think about that now. On the very day in which God chooses to forgive the sins of the whole nation, that's the day on which the Jubilee begins. And so you can't separate the forgiveness of sins here of the people and at the same time this wonderful blessing of material welfare that also comes upon them. I just think it's beautiful the way that God joins those two together. In fact, God desires both. The notion of Christians who care only for spiritual liberty but who exercise economic and material dominance over others violates the conjoining together of spiritual and physical blessing that Jubilee stands for. You know, it it is unfortunately the case that Christians have sometimes in the past allowed themselves to be in positions of dominance, economic dominance over others when clearly God sees these things as being conjoined. And that's just something that we need to be thinking about and reflecting on as we think, I think, about Jubilee. So this seems significant to me, these kinds of things that go along with what Jubilee is all about, the fact that it begins with atonement, the forgiveness of sins. A second kind of major point here, big point. Liberty is, in fact, the core idea of the Jubilee. And you see this liberty when you see people who are otherwise under control of others being set free. And it happens with the Day of Atonement, the forgiveness of sins that takes place, so that people are freed from the sins that have kept them from having the kind of solid relationship with God and with each other that God wants them to have. But of course, then you see all of this happen with the people, the Jewish people who have been during the course of time, put under some kind of service to another, freed. And that's basically what happens. There are, in some cases, those who profit and do well, but unfortunately at the expense of others, and that over time, God says, I'm going to change that. I'm going to, in fact, establish a position of liberty and allow the people to go free. Now, we don't we're not going to read verses 25 through 55 today, but if you were to read chapter 25, or verse 55, sorry, verse 25 through 55, the rest of the chapter, what you would find 
is provisions for liberty. And the whole chapter revolves around people being set free. A third thing. Jubilee is the time of consecration. In fact, it's like the Sabbath day, a time that we think of as rest and peace, and in this case, joy, as people reflect on the relationship that they have with God and with each other. But here, Sabbath moved from spiritual significance to social significance. Because again, the liberty that the people receive is not just a liberty from their sins, but it includes the liberty of being set free from what eventually became slavery. And they were, if you read through verses 25 through 55, you'll find they were specifically uh, prevented from enslaving each other. It was supposed to be that way. But the indentured service that often became part of their lives together really amounted to a kind of slavery. So in this case, Sabbath moves from spiritual significance to social significance, in fact, economic significance. And that is, again, something that we need to think about, and we're going to see uh, some significance about that as we move on here. Fourthly, this was, in fact, a time of faithful devotion and trust. And I want you to look at verse 17. This is interesting. He says in verse 17, Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God, I am the Lord your God. And so the whole grounds of being freed, the whole setting free of people, is clearly a move on which God is the one responsible and wants the people to be faithful in this act. In fact, if you look at verse 14, it says, If you sell land to any of your own people or buy land from them, don't take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your own people on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee, and they are to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you are to increase the price, and when the years are few, you are to decrease the price, because that's what really has been sold to you is the number of crops. Don't take advantage of each other. Why is it that people would even do such a thing? Why is it they would carry on this kind of social practice? And the point is because they actually have trust and faith in God. Whether you are the poor one, who in this case is so dependent upon God to set you free, or you are the wealthy one, who in this case is going to have to sacrifice some of your wealth on behalf of those who don't have all the things that you have, either way, both are going to be absolutely dependent upon God. Because in this year of Jubilee, when they're not working, the only thing they have to depend on, whether you're wealthy or poor, is what God is going to bless the nation with. And so it ends up being certainly a test in one sense of faithful devotion and trust, but it really is having to do with our devotion to God. We are totally dependent on Him. In fact, I would say that God's sovereignty and lordship is the key here to everything. It's the core principle for all, whether you are rich or whether you are poor. And this is one of the beautiful things that brings joy to the people. I don't know, if I was a Jew, and let's say that I did really well, and I was wealthy. In fact, I I was able to acquire the lands of others around me and benefit from their service. And somehow that was of benefit to me, and I, I became wealthy. And, you know, in one sense, I would feel very good about that. 
in another sense, I'm not sure how good I would feel knowing that my fellow brothers and sisters who were supposed to have land for themselves, but for whatever reason couldn't hold on to that, and, and I ended up taking control of it, I don't know how good I would feel possessing their land. And if I was one of the poor ones, I certainly would wrestle with the idea of someone else taking my land, a land that God had actually given to my family, and it was supposed to stay in my lineage. Like, all of those things, I think, would cause all kinds of tension and angst among people within Israel. But then... Every 50 years, no matter what position you're in, God says he's going to reestablish things were as they were at the beginning. And suddenly, all the guilt that is there for those who are, in fact, taking advantage of others is removed. And all the blessing that comes to those who've been taken advantage of, who are in a position of, of being poor, all of their benefits come back to them as well. And so God is very specifically making sure here, not just that there's some kind of reactivation of equality, but that people now can think toward each other and toward God without guilt, without a sense of dominance, without a sense of subservience. Whether you're rich or poor, God puts us all then equal before him at the same time. Place. And it's that place before God that gives, I think, human beings the most joy. Now, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. This is on page 727. Uh, 727, if you're in the Bibles underneath the seats. Mark read this during the Lord's Supper today. And I want us to read it again. Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to start with verse 16. Now, the reason I'm reading this is because there is a direct connection between this passage and what we read about with the Jubilee. As far as I know, I've mentioned this before, as far as I know, the Jubilee, even though it was instituted in Leviticus 25, was never carried out. There is no record in Scripture that I can see, and maybe you'll find one and prove me wrong, but I can't find a time in Old Testament history when the Jubilee was actually carried out. There was never a time when all the land was restored to the original owners. And this makes total sense to me, because if you were in a position of wealth, and now you've got basically indentured servants under you, and you've taken their land, and they're farming that land on your behalf, and you're the one who's in a position of political and economic control, are you going to want to every 50 years turn over all of this economic benefit that you have to everybody else? The answer is no. You're not going to want to release that. And so as far as I can tell, it actually never happened because God's people never were willing to do what God wanted them to do with reference to the Jubilee. And then Jesus comes along in Luke 4 and basically says, here it is. Look at verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Now, all of that sounds like it could well fit with the Jubilee. And then you look at the last line, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the fact is, is that that line, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, says to proclaim the year of Jubilee. That's what that line is about. So Jesus comes along and says, I am proclaiming a year of Jubilee. But it's not just a year of Jubilee. It's, in fact, a lifetime of Jubilee. What he's saying is that all the good things, all of the blessings that come to people at at every place, God is bringing through my ministry Jesus says. And so the text continues and says, Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 is what he quoted up above. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they all knew what he was talking about. None of them would say, What does he mean by that? they would all hear Jesus say, I am instituting the Jubilee. I am bringing about a new day. I'm bringing about relationships that have never existed before, where people now care for one another, giving back to one another the blessings that were theirs, intended by God to be theirs from the beginning. All the oppressed, those who have been taken advantage of, I'm going to set them free. And in this case, it even extends to physical health. Blindness is going to be removed. The poor are going to be blessed. All of these good things, Jesus says, I now bring. We talk all the time, and I I pray we keep talking all the time, about the presence of the kingdom. And that's what this is. The word kingdom is not used in Luke 4 right here. But that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, I am bringing a time of kingdom presence. The jubilee, not just for Jews, but a jubilee for humankind. And so, good news for the poor, the blind, the imprisoned, the oppressed. Figuratively speaking, you could say good news for everybody who's lost their land. It's all going to be given back. A general freedom and release for all. Every person who is oppressed in any way, who finds themselves subservient to others in any way, is going to be released from that burden and set free. Release and freedom for the wealthy and the poor. I've mentioned this already. The wealthy can't help but have a sense of guilt in oppressing those who are oppressed and over whom they've taken advantage. And the poor now feel completely released from their circumstances as we all benefit in this life together in Jesus. And then the wealthy are free from domination by wealth and I'm, like this is something in our society, the fact is, is that we are constantly dominated by our wealth. We don't, we don't even realize how much this has an impact on us. We are the most wealthy people in the world. And in one sense, it looks like it does so many good things for us, and it does. But in another sense, I think it's constantly a burden that weighs us down. And in so many cases, prevents us from being all that God wants us to be. The poor are free from their poverty which is nothing but blessing to them. 
And so the point is, is that all ultimately are free from their sins, meaning total liberty because they've been set free both from spiritual poverty and also from physical poverty. Now, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, we talked about Sabbath. And I talked specifically about the fact that we don't celebrate Sabbath. Remember that? Like, we don't keep the Sabbath holy in the sense that the Jews did. Uh, I feel free to work on Saturday if I need to, and so do lots of you. Why is it that we don't claim to celebrate the Sabbath? We could ask that question. Why don't we celebrate the Sabbath? And somebody here can tell me, I'm sure. Do you remember, why don't we celebrate the Sabbath? Or maybe I should ask the question, how is it that we do celebrate the Sabbath? Do you remember? By living holy lives every day. And the point was is that Sabbath becomes an eternal kind of Sabbath, an everyday kind of Sabbath. We live out our Sabbath before God every day. So we don't just celebrate Saturday and set that side a day as a day in which we don't work or a day in which we focus on the Lord. Instead, every day becomes a day for us devoted to God. What do you think is the case with the Jubilee? Why don't we as Christians celebrate... The Jubilee. The celebration of Jubilee is perpetual among God's people as liberty and justice for all become a daily practice. All of a sudden, we recognize that God, through Jesus, has set the entire world free. And not just from sin, but he has set the world free from the kind of oppression that happens when one person oppresses another. And when the body of Christ is functioning in the world the way it should and with each other, all of a sudden the world is set free. I said it again in so many words again. We live daily as part of and for the kingdom of God in which we are constantly trying to bring in the full force of Christ's jubilee. And so that's why we keep talking about kingdom living, what it means to live out the kingdom. It's to live out this new existence that God has given us every day in the presence of our world so they can see that God has set the world free in his jubilee. Yesterday, it was beautiful. Like, there were so many beautiful things that happened yesterday as a number of us talked to others at the train station about what our church is doing, about what Jesus has come and done through Christmas, about our Christmas in Marlboro. Jonathan sang songs about all the good things that Christ has done in our world. And we had some beautiful, beautiful conversations. I met some wonderful people. One of the couples that I met, this was so fascinating how these things happened. Like uh, Jonathan mentioned uh, that Linda and her husband were standing and giving out donuts and coffee. And I, I just happened to kind of walk toward them as a young couple came through the doors. And as soon as they walked through the doors, Linda said, would you like a donut? So they stopped and they got a donut and they got some hot chocolate. And Kelly swooped in. <laughs> and it, it took just a moment for, you know, for them to pause to grab the hot chocolate for me to be able to initiate a conversation with them. And in 10 minutes of conversing, I found out that he had been uh, a drug user. He'd been addicted quite a bit, uh, cocaine, heroin, all kinds of things. She is an alcoholic. Uh, I, I, would, I can't remember how old they were. I think he said he was 23. 
She might have been 21. I can't remember. Um, but that's where their lives were at. We kept talking about what they had decided to do was they met four months ago, the, the two of them, and having met four months ago, they immediately decided that they were going to help each other be free from their addictions. So she stopped drinking and he stopped using four months ago. And we talked and they were f- so free about talking to me about all of this. And, and then he started telling me things like, what a great meeting this was. What a, a chance we've had to talk to somebody about some good things. So I invited them. I, you know, I don't know if they'll come on a Sunday, maybe before Christmas in Marlboro, but I handed them the thing. And I'm hoping that they weren't just pacifying me by saying, we're going to be there on December 8th. But the beautiful thing was that I was having a chance to share with them and initiate with them a conversation about Jubilee. And not specifically, of course. I didn't read Leviticus 25. But I was talking about what God has done in the lives of people. And they were listening. And it was a great conversation. And I just pray that our church can continue to have that kind of conversation with people as we express what it is to the world, what God has done specifically through Jesus in bringing about an eternal jubilee. One of the last things that happened yesterday was we had one kind of box of donuts left. And so I took this box of donuts and I went down the escalator out onto the platform and there were probably 10 in there or so. And I just started going from person to person and saying, want a donut? Want a donut? And, and people would see me coming. And so, you know, a few people took donuts. And, and then pretty soon it was almost like, I don't, I don't know how to describe this. I, like I kind of wanted to, to skip as I'm taking people donuts. Have a donut. Have a donut. Here's a donut for you. And, you know, and, and I, I was kind of filled with some glee as I was bringing donuts to these people down on the platform. And I didn't think about it till this morning, but I thought to myself, what was I doing? Like, what was bringing me such joy? Like, isn't it because I was, I was there talking to people about our God and doing something in his name and, and spreading the great news about the Jubilee? I didn't know it had to do with donuts. But there's a sense in which that's what was happening because God is so good. And he gives us this wonderful message to take into the world about what he's done In this case, specifically because of Jesus who fulfills this jubilee. Man, I hope God continues to bless us with these opportunities.